What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pop of Culture Pod. This is John. In this episode, Anton and I talk about a little bit about an emergency scene that was actually at his house, and thankfully everyone's safe. And then we jump deep into a Netflix series called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, and we go into it. And I mean, really, we go into it. Just a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting apps and also on the socials at Papa Culture Pod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on Instagram and YouTube. I actually put up a tech review, one of my rando tech reviews recently about the Amazfit Neo smartwatch. So check that out. So we're, we were like, okay, cool, let's do it. And so we did, uh, we walked a mile mm-hmm. with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should, I, prob- I should probably say what happened on Sunday, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, so last Sunday, it was a day that we were anticipating for a while, at least Ginny was because uh, our friend Eric needed his landscape rake back Hmm. because I borrowed it from him when I was doing the eight months long backyard project. So uh, he was going to be working on a project in his backyard and he's like, Oh yeah, I'll probably need my landscape right back. And I was like, okay, cool. How about I drop it off on Sunday? And if you guys are cool with it, can we have a social distanced play date with Karina? Uh, That's pretty much Ginny's best friend. And they've been talking throughout the entire quarantine over FaceTime, playing Minecraft, Animal Crossing, um, Overcooked, and other games, you know. So throughout the weekend, they were super excited. Ginny was super excited to go. And even the night before, she was like, oh, cool, it's nighttime. Tomorrow I'll be able to go to Karina's house. And so anyway, we go there. It's about, we probably got there around just before 12. And no, we're hanging out in the backyard. Kids are playing. Um, we were all messed up. I just want to put it, put this out there just so everyone knows that we were being safe. We were double masked, um, stayed outside most of the time. Uh, when we were inside, definitely distanced, also double masked. The kids were too, by the way. Um, And then uh, Tess got a call that um, there had been a grease fire at her house. So grandma lives downstairs. And sometimes when we leave, um, she comes up and she essentially does like a a big cooking marathon, right? So Tess was on the phone with her mom, who was telling her the story. And then 
Tess ended up telling us the story that there was a grease fire at the house. So then um, she panicked and had to go to the next door neighbor who then had to put the fire out. And then the other next door neighbor from the other side also came. And then he had called, I think 911, the fire department came and uh, pretty much left a fan for a little while to just kind of get the, the smoke out. So long story short, uh, everyone's fine, but the stove, the microwave and a little bit of the cabinets uh, are pretty much ruined. Like the cabinets adjacent to the, where the stove are. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we heard about this. We ended up coming back on Sunday night to just kind of check it all out, you know, assess the damage or whatever. So the kids stayed in the car, uh, me and Tess went up and then, you know, the first thing we saw was the microwave that was removed. Uh, the microwave is literally above the oven, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the microwave was removed and was basically on the driveway in front of the garage and it was like melted. Yeah. <laughs> so the the plastic at the very bottom of the door, it was like looked like a stalactite, you know, where right. it's it's like melted mm -hmm. and and then it was like stuck there. Uh and I was like, oh dang. Um yeah, I guess the microwave doesn't work, won't work anymore. Dang. Um so then we went upstairs. And like, we noticed that obviously uh, there was, it smelled like smoke. Yeah. The windows were open and um, it smelled like smoke. We, uh, Eric and Monica let us borrow their air purifier. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we brought that up there. We just let it run all night. And then, um, yeah, so we assessed the damage. We decided that there was too much smoke for us to stay there. So we booked a hotel um, right down the street from Tessa's work because she had to work the next day on President's Day. And uh, that would have been the, the best way. And, you know, for the kids, they knew that there was a fire. And, you know, they weren't there. So they weren't really impacted or traumatized by that experience, right? Um, they knew that grandma was fine. So that was great. And they didn't even go inside. Mm -hmm. um, they were just in the car the entire time. So then we packed the suitcase, went downstairs. We're like, hey guys, new adventure today. We're going to go to a hotel. <laughs> and they were like, yay. <laughs> so then, you know, so we checked into the hotel, um, got some Popeyes. And uh, yeah. And so we stayed. Uh, we stayed there for two nights. Um, the very next day, Tess had to go to work. And it was funny because we were trying to figure out, we only had one car. So Tess had to be there at like 
before nine. So then we were like, okay, so should we wake up, wake the kids all up and then I'll, you know, drop you off at work and then we can go back to the hotel or Tess was like, well, can I just take the car and I'll just come back later that, later that day. And I was just like, I don't know, man, being the hotel with these kids, like we can't really run around in the lobby. I right. mean, that's only, that's going to be boring. And if they're just inside watching TV, you know, I was like, I think I'll need a car. So uh, it turns that. out, it turns out though, that uh, Tess's coworker was also going to go into work. So she had asked her, you know, um, or Tess had asked her like, Hey, can you come get me? It was funny because she told me what the text was, was like, Hey, can you pick me up at embassy suites on your way to work? Long story. I'll tell you later. <laughs> and she told me that. And I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> what is the coworker going to think? Is this going to be like a domestic, <laughs> mm -hmm. domestic situation? Yes. And I thought about um, that. I thought about that time where uh, Malcolm Mm -hmm. had thrown that jar at Hoon. Yep. And then she had the black eye. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh man. When she but... had just started her work at a women's foundation. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to laugh at domestic abuse issues, but I mean, you think about that stuff when yeah. there are questionable requests coming or like some strange things right yeah that you wouldn't expect right well it's also the the vagueness of that that text exactly it's just like hey i'll uh long story i'll tell you later and i was like what <laughs> yeah so anyway uh so thankfully um eric and mon had let us come to their house again just to kind of hang out thankfully it was also a holiday so they weren't too busy. So the kids were also really happy to be going to uh, a friend's house two days in a row. Um, and, you know, being in a hotel, just when you, when it's not vacation, yeah, isn't really that great, especially if you can't go anywhere. Right. And then, you know, I mean, I haven't, stayed at a hotel during covid mm -hmm. so basically all the hotel perks you don't really get right no you, know? you can't and it's not like where that the hotel is great for all the work conventions and you know visiting professionals since th there's so so much like uh bio biopharmaceuticals down there yeah but it's not like I mean, there's like, there's some cool parks and some good restaurants in South San Francisco that's walking distance from there. But one, it was raining, and two, it's COVID. Exactly, and you know, even where that hotel is, it isn't really that close to the um, that Bay Trail. Yeah, you know, you I would have to walk there, or, or I could drive somewhere. But again, it was raining. Kids really aren't super into that. So, you know, it was nicer to go to a friend's house where we could just kind of just like relax and 
you know, stuff like that. And, and, you know, I remember calling down like, Hey, um, can I get some towels? They're like, Oh yeah, we don't deliver because of COVID, but you can come down and get some. It's like, okay. You know, and everything else was like that. And I was, I remember like looking when I was trying to book the hotel, like, Oh, what are the amenities? Like, Oh, free breakfast. I'm like, wait, you're not going to get that. Yeah. It's not going to be the same breakfast. So basically they still do breakfast, but you just, it was in a bag, like a, you know, like a plastic lunch bag. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask if they just vacuum sealed a continental breakfast and just left it on your doorstep. Not even that dude. It was like Otis Spunkmeyer muffin, Mm. a, one of those Costco chewy, chewy granola bars. So you kind of got like a breakfast, like you just woke up in an airplane on a cross, cross ocean flight. (laughs) Absolutely. That's exactly it. And then it was like, uh, apple juice or orange juice. So yeah, all the shitty parts of a, a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Without the and vacation plus the burnt down kitchen. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I'm glad everyone's safe and, and grandma's safe. Yeah, definitely. Um, now that this has happened, Tess has always thought of like, oh, or actually not just Tess, but even me. Yeah. We're thinking like, oh yeah, she, she wants a cabinets lighter. And then, you know, she wanted to replace the floors and the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, she wants to get rid of the tile and, 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 and stuff like that. So we're like, oh, okay, well, well, here's, here's the options. We can either just fix these cabinets, these two cabinets on the sides uh, it's like, but is it even worth fixing if we're going to change it anyway? Like, oh yeah. Okay, cool. We can change it and get a new, um, obviously a new stove and whatever. Right. And they're like, well, if we're going to get rid of the cabinets, wouldn't it be better to change the floors while the cabinets are gone? We're like, yeah, that's cool. And it's like, well, if we're changing the floors in the kitchen, wouldn't you want it to match the the floors for the rest of the level? We're like, yeah, that'd be pretty good too. So then it's basically scope creep for every little thing that we want to change, right? <laughs> you just got incepted. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, we're not even finished with a backyard project. We're in the middle of like putting yeah. up our pergola. Yep. Um so but, you're doing all by yourself, mostly. Um, well, the two of us. Well, that sounds like a pretty solid project. Oh, it's huge. Does um, does Tess have pretty um, pretty dope renovation fits? I just I imagine you two working on pergola and seeing Tess in a pretty pretty uh, fashionable renovation gear nah man nah <laughs> it's just like what can get dirty it's it's, uh, it's basically athleisure all day yeah, yeah you mean like uh my professional uh wardrobe for my zooms below below camera view 
I mean, I don't think I've worn a collared shirt. I think I can count the number of times I've worn a collared shirt since over the past year. Yeah. So my wardrobe actually hasn't changed that much. <laughs> I have an important question about um, the fire at your house. Yeah. Do you think morbid had anything to do with it? <laughs> That's actually a really good segue. Um, I've been I've been teeing, I've been waiting to um, to to tee that up since. <laughs> All right, so this week I spent time digging into this Netflix four episode true crime documentary called crime scene the vanishing at the Cecil hotel which is about i should say sort of about uh this young woman named elisa lamb who um who tragically died at that Cecil hotel which is in downtown la right next to skid row like one of those old school um fancy hotels that just kind of got dilapidated once that area got dilapidated. And so this four part episode is kind of like a tracing of the steps of the investigation. And it also includes how, how and why that death initially was a disappearance and it ended up becoming, you know, a death and an investigation into what happened with um with elisa lamb how it got viral this was 2012 um you know internet had been everyone had internet and mobile phones for numerous years but this thing for particular reason just really blew up on youtube and elsewhere so and we should say though that there's going to be spoilers because oh yeah i want to talk about a bunch of this stuff Yes, definitely spoilers. If you haven't watched it yet, um, you should still listen and have it spoiled. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, we are going to talk about it. If you don't know, if you're not familiar with the uh, with the with her story, um, and then whatever else that happens in this uh, documentary, I, you know, watch it. It's only four hours. Um, and then come I would back. say like two and a half hours too long personally well the this headline i'm seeing on google right now because i wanted to make sure i got the name right yeah this is, Net, this is from cnet netflix's cecil hotel documentary an irresponsible bloated mess oh i completely agree so i got so, yeah go ahead well i should say that uh we were in la when this happened i remember hearing about it and it was kind of crazy mm -hmm. um you know the documentary talks a lot about what the the video the the security cam video from the hotel um where it was basically the last time that elisa lamb was seen mm -hmm. and this was the video that essentially went viral and i remember seeing that and hearing about the story you know obviously because we were in la because there were people talking about it a lot and what I didn't realize was that that uh, that former LAPD cop 
went on like a killing spree. Yes. Killing yeah. other cops during that time. Yeah. I forgot I, about that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I totally forgot. I remember that, that event, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know it overlapped with the Elisa Lamb case. Right. I, I totally remember what happened and it. There was, I think Fullerton, there was, um, Something that happened in Fullerton, or am I mixing up shootings? But anyway, I do remember that that shooting and um, that LAPD PD officer. But yeah, I totally forgot the timeline of that, and it's, I feel like that I felt like that was much more recent than 2012. But everything kind of melds together. Yeah, I mean, what is even time anymore? Right. So you were in LA, and so there was like two kind of crazy viral national stories happening all at once yeah i mean i didn't really know how national uh elisa lamb the elisa lamb thing was mm-hmm. until i watched this video or I'm, I'm sorry until i watched this docuseries mm-hmm. well anyway so going back to that cnet headline mm-hmm what did it say like bloated mess it's an irresponsible bloated mess i know from you from your from what we've been chatting the bloated mess piece is definitely one piece that you're 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 connected to and the irresponsible part is what among many other things is what i kind of got out of that four hours yeah i think we can dive into both of those so which one do you want to do first uh Let's do the bloated part because I think the irresponsible part can, there might be more stream, like other things to talk about that. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. So for the bloated part, there was a quote that I saw uh, on Facebook from one of my friends. It was a comment or post or something. And I'm paraphrasing here, but there, I think this was during the vow on HBO about the mm. Nexium mm-hmm. Keith Ranieri crazy sex cult thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying that some docuseries only need to be a documentary feature. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then the comment under that was some documentary features need to be a podcast (laughs) you know so then i was thinking about i was like okay yeah that's that's totally true and i was completely thinking the same thing as i was watching this uh this four-part series Mm -hmm. and i mentioned earlier it probably could have been an hour and a half right yeah and what i think if it's on Netflix, you know how popular those docu-series are, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Making a Murderer, mm-hmm. which was probably their their first one. And I've watched a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, even like Tiger King, that was like the big thing last year when mm-hmm. Quarantine first started, right? And I think with the Netflix formula, they know that audiences love docu-series, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you're pitching a story to them, 
like, let's say you come in with a, an idea for like a feature film, like hour and a half, two hours. We're like, yeah, we want this. But do you think that the Netflix executives would be like, yeah, we'll do that. But can you make it right four hours instead? Is it bingeable? Yeah. So I think for the topic wise, right? Like it, it's like, okay, cool. They're talking about, and if actually let's go to the back to the title, it's crime scene, right? So that that's the title. And then the subtitle is the vanishing at the Cecil hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So crime scene. Okay. True crime. You'll probably get, it'll fall into the crime docuseries thing, right? Mm -hmm. On the, that category. And then, like, there's no mention of Elisa Lam mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. And it's like the Cecil Hotel. So what they're doing is that you know you're going to get some sort of true crime thing. And then you're probably going to get history of the Cecil Hotel. And then the vanishing part, right? Yeah. Again, nothing about Elisa Lam. So I think what was probably happening is like, okay, we should probably do something about this case and then just like try and pull in all the different aspects mm -hmm. that are related to the case and just like really stretch it out right there's three there's three main stories that or i guess there's three documentary films that could have been made out of this um yeah if, if they split it up and also invested more into each of those as singular stories yeah and what and the thing is it's not even the episodes don't even really kind of break them out in that way mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so you're getting the elisa lamb case you're getting a little bit of the history and then you're getting the like the the viral nature and the internet aspect of it all at the same time yeah 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 well what did you think or like how did you mm -hmm. uh in terms of the the bloatedness of it or just like trying to tell trying to tell too many stories like what was your reaction I didn't think too much about the bloated part until I was, you know, I was digesting it afterwards. And there was only one kind of external thing that I listened to um, about it because it just kind of popped up on my feed and on, I think, Spot Spotify. Um, but I, I was, I guess some context, I was watching it this week, every night as I've been, um, just doing exercise. I've been like running in place and jumping and just kind of um, getting my heart rate up and stuff, you know, just um, yeah, some kind of aerobic exercise. And so from, from a compelling standpoint, which doesn't mean it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It for worked sure. because in my, the three hours that I spent on episodes one through three, three nights in a row, they went by hella fast, right? Because there's mm -hmm. stuff to chew on. But then turning the episode four, once you get like 
the reveal of the real story, mm-hmm. then it added to my feeling of the irresponsible piece, but it, it was kind of like they could have just done this in the first episode and that's it. Yeah. Cause I think the bloated part for me is more of uh, it more relates to my general feeling of um, kind of like dirtiness of watching it and feeling compelled by it because even from the get-go from the first few minutes I felt it was well there were some pieces some things I had some issues with it. we could talk about a little bit later but I think it's more like once you get to the fourth episode then you realize that yeah it, it is fluffed up and uh, it's kind of when it, like the fourth episode kind of made a bulk of episodes one through three completely um, irrelevant, you know? Totally, yeah. Other than from an entertainment standpoint, but not from a full-on storytelling. So I think the bloated part comes, it, it, it's that hit in the in the fourth episode. Yeah, and then, you know, you know it, it was weird because I think earlier this week we were, I think it was even yesterday, we were like, hey, we, we should record this weekend. And, yeah. you know, we were trying to like, come up with what to talk about we're like oh yeah we should talk about lisa lamb and then i hadn't known that you had watched it already so that made me want to try and finish it so that maybe it could be like a topic that we could discuss and by the time i got to the end of i don't know i don't know maybe like two and a half episodes in yeah i was like oh i'm hate watching it the rest of the way yeah that's how i felt i mean yeah um so and i started to kind of jot some notes down because i knew that like i didn't want to forget what i was thinking at the time right and kind of piggybacking off of the earlier discussion about netflix would prefer docuseries over just like a a single thing right I think that the popularity of docuseries is actually hurting the storytelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or true crime. Maybe. When you know, when we talk about the there's three stories that they could tell. Yeah. That only one of them is kind of true crime-ish, which was actually Elisa Lamb's ex, um invest like her right. tragic death and investigation into it. Right. And then the other two stories were the viral nature of it and the the impact or the um, the the chaos created by the viral sensation and web sleuths. Yeah. And then the third part would be a story about Cecil Hotel and Skid Row in L.A. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And two of them are not true crime at all, and one of them could be more because it is a potentially a criminal investigation right yeah another thing that made it seem super fluffy mm-hmm. was all of the like the b-roll shots that they used mm-hmm. right it, it was like um really dramatic shots of this like the dramatizations of mm-hmm. 
Elisa Lam like walking through LA or like yeah. walking on the roof and you know and even talking on her blog and mm-hmm. having VO read mm-hmm. her her posts or her yeah. Tumblr posts and I was just like come on man yeah this this is something that you'd expect on like a 2020 segment right like or, o- overly yeah. like overly campy yeah and i think this goes along with what i was saying earlier about my gut reaction of how like being feeling this is such a um exploitation of elisa lamb and her family yes. yeah that yeah that's how i when you talk about the fluff being that part, I'm, I'm that's co- totally in line with how I feel about it being irresponsible. Exactly. Yeah. Because then the even the first five minutes, you know, when this thing starts, it's like, oh, okay, I remember this story. Okay, I'm interested in it. Like, I, I think I remember. I think I remember reading what actually happened. And, you know, I, my background, I, I have a master's in social work, so I have some years of professional experience um, dealing with mental health um, disorders. Mm-hmm. Nothing too severe because my clients have never been that severe, but like no, learning about it and knowing about it. I think I remember reading that and it, it totally made sense, right? Yeah. And then, but I had forgotten about it and then seeing the video. So the, I'll get back to the first part, but I ended the first episode where it was creepy and I'm like, it was maybe 10 30, <laughs> 11 o'clock on my own. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to watch the second episode. Cause I don't really feel like, feel like being creeped out tonight right. where I had to turn it off. Cause then they, they set it up to be this creepy part of like this, um, this kind of like, supernatural story of Cecil Hotel right right or it's just even if it's not supernatural just like if there was someone in the next to the elevator and they got roped and she got roped into um something and got killed that's not something I I necessarily want to settle into the night with you know so I definitely at that point was like okay, that's creepy. It's making me feel something. And then I turned it off because I totally forgot about the um, the, the actual what happened. But right. the beginning, I wasn't even sure if I was going to watch the whole thing because I'm like, are you really going to uh, present this in a narrative way? And it was the reading of the the Tumblr. Yep. Because um, then already that point, it was, I'm like, I don't like the style. And then as it kept on going and going and that, when you get to obviously when you get to episode the last episode where they reveal that there was evidence and you know those communication issues that they had presented that they hadn't revealed in the first three episodes um that really yeah it's totally re- realistic and what happened was that she ha- she was having a psychotic episode and she ended up um not knowingly killing herself you know yeah 
putting which, yourself in danger, which putting yourself in danger. In, I mean, I think we can go into the irresponsibility now. I yeah. think that's yeah. like a, a perfect uh, yeah. track to go on. What I was going to say, uh, and I have this, I, I put this down here too, is just that like all of the, like the murder and conspiracy stuff that mm-hmm. they focused on in episode three, mm-hmm. um, it totally downplays all the mental health stuff yeah. that was revealed in episode four. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that was, I think, to talk about irresponsible. It's just like it's 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 sensationalizing everyone's excitement about like oh trying to solve the case and the web sleuths and yeah like there was way too much focus on these web sleuths yeah yeah and then for they, me for me i right? i agree and i think well i agree in the way that this was put together and the yeah. way that they framed it around elisa lamb and her life and her death mm-hmm. yes it put way too much on they put they they invested way too much time on validating the web sleuths until mm-hmm. you get to episode four where it's like nope you're all wrong like you by the second by I think my um, hate watching happened yeah in episode three mm-hmm. um, because there was just like people were grasping at straws and you know there's only a certain level of conspiracy. Uh, coincidences that then you just start to kind of just laugh at right and not and this is where it's kind of like even thinking about it right now as i'm saying it, that is even another level of irresponsibility to this to her life and the irresponsibility is absolutely everything about elisa lamb her life her death and her family having to go through this again um yeah uh- because she was basically a she was just used as a pawn to tell this other story about these. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of them end up being assholes, the, um, the web sleuths. I know they got caught up in it and they got victimized by it. Episode four, they kind of revealed their, um, their, their whole mea culpa out of it, you know, but some, some but of them some, did, but going through two, three episodes worth, is basically validating the importance of them. Because that's actually what happened in episode one and episode two, right? Like all these little tidbits of seeing um, what was presented as evidence in um, yeah, and then online, yeah. I remember texting you this, but like whenever I was really triggered when I was watching all the web sleuth stuff and, and particularly when they were like, once the toxicology report or like the coroner's yes. final yep. report came out yeah, and they, and people were just like, no, that's gotta be a cover up. Yeah. No, like, no, 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 no. Like, and, and really trying to drill down and like, Oh no, 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 no. There's the data's wrong here. Or they changed something. And I was just like, man, these guys are like one step away from QAnon. Yeah. No. And that's how I was feeling. I, I messaged you this. That's exactly what I was feeling. I'm like, this is, I feel like, this is what I felt like I was just like um, having to relive four years of Trump and then also relive a year of 
like just stupid human behavior around the pandemic, you know? Yeah. Like I, I live and breathe the pandemic issues because that's part of my work. Um, and, you know, like there's small businesses and all this and people complain, I'm like, you know, we would, we would have small businesses open. We would have certain levels of our non-pandemic lives kind of running in maybe 30%, 40%. If, you know, like 98% of the population actually just adhered to public health um, recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, as a tangent, that's what I was feeling too. <laughs> and it was, thank you for bringing that up because that it was totally the toxicology report is where I really kind of just jumped off and I'm like, okay, y'all are fucking stupid. Especially that dude that was like, um, this is what was written in the autopsy report and I've seen evidence. So I have to believe that they're, they're incorrect. I'm like, are you a fucking um, coroner? <laughs> you know, like, have you? Yeah, I was like, it's like, I, and the, the funniest part was when the guy was just like, I've done my research. Yeah. And I'm like, and the thing what? is like, yeah. what, again, this probably wouldn't have fit into this, but like, I wasn't really sure what the filmmakers wanted to say about these internet web sleuths. Right. right like i know that the there were some comments or some sound bites from the one of the investigators one of the detectives that said well you know i think they, he was too soft on them it was just like well you know sometimes the it's really great that everyone wants to get involved and help but you know yeah. you know sometimes it doesn't it doesn't yeah. help you yeah. know and I, I think maybe that's why they brought that morbid guy in um anyway but so morbid is a you know for details morbid is a death metal singer from mexico he on youtube there was a video of him at the cecil hotel saying hey i'm at the cecil hotel and then there were songs about i don't know astonishingly from a death metal singer about death and (laughs) murder and really dark you know morbid things and people these web sleuths turned around and said okay this is a dude that killed her and it turned out that that cecil hotel video that he recorded was a year before he was actually in mexico this wasn't revealed and this is all revealed in episode four this wasn't revealed in episode three when they kind of introduced that as a kind of the cliffhanger yeah dude they they blew it out like they they like they blew it out of proportion. Like they yeah. pushed that detail until yeah. episode four, because again, man, like that's is where docuseries, especially like this, this is like the most exaggerated. Um, this is the most exaggerated example of where trying to just entertain an audience and keep them on the edge of your seat. Yeah like they use that instead of actual good storytelling particularly right. for like uh when people just need facts right right you know and i guess my my takeaway from that was like people wanted it to be something dramatic like a conspiracy mm. or a murder 
because how it really happened with her being a mm. uh, with it being a psychotic episode just wasn't satisfying enough right yeah i remember i don't remember who said that but i remember that you know what i mean and yeah. and i think that's that's probably why i wrote that quote mm. down um or wrote that note down about you know not only is these internet sleuths and however viral it went like so excited about the conspiracy stuff you know like the audience is like that too like watching the show or watching this docuseries right yeah. like oh yeah 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 no and I, I think that goes again to the irresponsible part which we were talking about is that they did they did like so let's say someone watches this with zero context of this right like you have a little bit of context for it because you were in LA I had context of it because I remember reading about it and maybe we we're in LA visiting around the same time um and usually when we're hanging out in LA itself it's either it was either UCLA area or somewhere in downtown because we we're usually in Japantown right or little Tokyo or whatever it's called um is it little Tokyo? Little Tokyo. And so it's like two blocks from there, right? Or three blocks. So um, if you had zero context of this story, it's pulling the audience along with the web, these web sleuths as protagonists of this story. Yeah, totally. And so you're following along to their the um their craze around it right unless you know other things too like whether or not you know the story because you know like like you said in episode three is kind of where this veil of like um validity that any of these web suits had kind of just kind of diminished when um one is a was a toxicology it, the whole like corners report right yeah yeah and then people saying them highlighting uh comments about it can't be just bipolar i can't believe that like what do you know about bipolar i don't i know enough about it to know that yeah people when they're in psychotic um situations are going through this right the other part about the irresponsible piece is that with the last time the this video that went viral of elisa lamb it was obvious that she was in distress like something, you know, like when she walked into the elevator, her hands were on her head. Like she was like overwhelmed. Right. Right. And so you have to, you end up watching this video over and over and over and over and over again of someone who is going to die pretty soon after this while she was in distress. And like that became a center point for these people's lives. And it wasn't until that third episode, once you kind of just hear things that they're saying, like, um, and there's, there's a, well, actually, there's some dude that was talking about, like, how Morbid had a picture of um, the Black Dahlia in the back of his, during one of his YouTube videos and saying that the Black, the Black Dahlia was seen at the Cecil Hotel before she died. It wasn't actually that hotel. It was a, it was the Biltmore. Um, oh. <laughs> but then it's just like, it's that's another hit of, like, y'all don't know what you're talking about the whole thing about the mental health the health mental health piece that they don't know about the dude that said i've done my research the coroner must be wrong 
what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you don't even know. And then there's all the other things where I, I messaged you one of them, how um, people dug into the who is yeah. base address of the, the domain um, of the last bookstore. And it happened to be the same city as where um, Elisa Lamb is from. And there was a TB conspiracy and like there was a, some TB medication yeah, like, that was actually Elisa Lamb's name, but you know, reversed. Cause then I started just chuckling. Cause I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> right. That, and they got to more exactly of it. When... And I was just even chuckling even more. Then you hear about his story of how he um, attempted suicide because he was getting fucking killed on internet. Like these people, like, he was bullying it. He gave consent to be on film to talk about his story. And, you know, hopefully he's gotten the therapy to, um, to, to be at peace with it, to be able to do it. But even that in, in, in a way is ex- exploiting him just because these web sleuths were, it's funny too, when he was talking about web sleuths, he was terming these people as web sleuths. And I'm like, if I was him, I would just be saying these assholes were doing this to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a surprise that whenever you see the little lower third that says the name and what they do, yeah. it said Web Sleuth on it. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. The, obviously, the, the producers were feeding him all these lines or whatever just yeah. for like consistency. But, you know, again, this is probably too much for this documentary but like if you're gonna spend that much time focusing on the web sleuths and when they're wrong they should have you know like just like some sound bites of them saying yeah you know i was really into it whatever but these guys probably got so many followers on youtube or Mm -hmm. twitter Mm -hmm. or whatever just for sharing their silly ass thoughts and again whenever it's all those like big QAnon users mm-hmm. who get popular because they're just so vocal and have followings again yeah. and again this was like in 2013 12 yeah 2012 2013. 2012 2013 yeah so this is like way before. I mean, it's probably at the same time that uh, like a lot of the other very controversial YouTube stars probably started popping up, right? Yeah. But there's a sadness of a lot of those um, quote unquote web sleuths. And I'll just say, I know that from other true crime documentaries, there, there is an active web sleuth community out there that have actually helped with some cold cases. Right. There, there are legitimate people out there who do want to help solve mysteries that are likely not doing it in a disrespectful way. But everyone that was featured in this film, who is willing enough to be featured in the film, also exploited Elisa Lamb 
for their own gain. I mean, you talked about like them getting their followers and all that stuff. But like, you know, there was that dude that was like super emotional and asked some someone to go to the um, Elisa Lamb's. Uh, I was just going to bring him up actually. Yeah, to his, uh, her, her gravestone for him to have some closure. I'm like, the fuck? Who the fuck are you? Like, you have nothing to do with her or her family's life. You've made this all about yourself. You are hella creepy. <laughs> Dude, for real. I, I was just thinking about that one soundbite where he was saying like oh i feel like she's a part of me yeah she's like my friend yes and i was like what dude stalker all just because of a video of her in an elevator right and you know again it triggered because i was like oh that's how QAnon, like how that's how people get you know but you don't want to say the children, Anton. <laughs> no, I feel you. No, and th- uh, that th- that brings up another piece where it was kind of interesting because I don't know if you you were you were struck by this or you it was interest of you especially as a filmmaker um all of the youtube clips were i know they i don't know if they edited it but they kind of went you know they overlaid some layer of white space just to say whoever was speaking dash cecil hotel did you notice that? Like with all of the um, the original YouTube content of some of the the web, quote unquote, web sleuths. Oh, like so they would make it look like it was like a YouTube page, and then you could see like the title. Yeah, I did notice that, and it was it seemed weird that it it didn't really look like. A normal YouTube title. Yeah, it was totally not. I mean, I think they did that. I don't know why they did that because obviously the people that were on the people's videos that were featured on the film had to give consent for it to be used on the film, right? Yeah. So it would just say like, say if it was you, it would say Anton Dash Cecil Hotel. And so yeah, that kind that's of true. Like that, that I wouldn't put that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's either, and that's where I was partially, I was like, are, are these YouTube folks, did they re-record, did they re-record some of the, the conspiracy narratives specifically for this film? Oh, you know, like, there was, yeah. Going on the YouTube stuff, there was one of the. She wasn't interviewed on camera, mm-hmm. like the way those other two were. The yeah. really emotional guy and the brain scratch guy. The brain scratch guy. There was a woman who had glasses and had like some uh, colorful makeup. And the, sorry, go ahead. 
No. What were you saying? Was it the one that was like she had the big road microphone? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not sure if those, it seemed like some of them were her previous videos, mm-hmm. but it also seemed like maybe she was one of those web sleuths that was just using her own YouTube setup to be part of like a, like a Zoom interview mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's what I mean. Like, and her in particular, it seemed like she was... It seemed like the way that she was talking, especially in episode four, that makes sense now that that you bring up that it could have been a. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think my impression was at first I thought as we were watching it, I was like, okay, cool, maybe this was old video, but then I noticed that I hadn't seen her being actually interviewed, in the same way that the other, internet guys were. And then by episode four, when she was talking more about like her reactions to everything, I was like, oh, maybe she's an interview subject, but they're not actually going to her location and shooting it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just like, hey, let's just jump on a Zoom. You already have your YouTube set up. You have a good mic. Yeah. And then she's just sending them her own personal footage, right? Right. It's yeah, that's why I think when there's a resolution and they are kind of processing, it's not even processing, but like explaining how they quote unquote came to Jesus (laughs) with the reality of it, right? Where, and then that's kind of what made me also think, oh, did they just record these folks who are agreed to be on? on the film right reliving or explaining those through lines of the conspiracy theories especially her right right because then for sure for sure the way that she was saying it well you know when they would cut in to like to the story and put her in at some point you it seemed like, yeah, it, she. this wasn't quote-unquote real time. This was way, way afterwards as they were making the film mm-hmm. to kind of just capture the energy of what was happening back then. And I don't know what that, I don't know what that means in terms of the bloated part or the irresponsible part. Um, but it, I think it just further gives such a platform to these so-called web sleuths and i really don't know why they needed to have the the two british Mm -hmm. people in there other than finding out that other than them they were the ones who who reported the water pressure yes i mean i could see it sounded like their vacation going to California or whatever was Mm -hmm. a parallel to Mm -hmm. what Elisa wanted to do. Right. I mean, again, I, I think that is just, Hey, we need to fill content. Who else can we talk to? It was like, Oh wait, they showed up. They were interviewed on the news. Let's go 
well, figure them like let's go in like let's go figure out where they are and see if they want to be in this documentary so for the true crime aspect of this you know like how you set up some kind of mystery yeah kind of a real thing they kind of were putting people in as maybe they had something to do with it kind of thing right so that's why they had the hotel manager that's why in the ep- first episode they kind of dropped in elisa lamb's quote-unquote erratic behavior and the two other roommates that asked her to get moved yeah well i mean if we're on the irresponsible track right then they put him in there as essentially like a red herring like oh they're going to yes. show up again later yep because they're going to be involved yes. somehow right yeah that's what i mean yeah it says a lot that there wasn't any of Elisa Lamb's family or friends involved in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mentioned that. And yeah. that's what I was thinking too throughout this process is that they were not part of this story. And, and that's why it's probably her name isn't in the title at all. Mm-hmm. It's such a fucked up thing to do to... to it, to put a spotlight back on to this family because you know they're going to be asked mm-hmm. family and friends because there are friends who I guess maybe they're just using pictures that were available online um, that are highlighted in these in, in these pictures of Elisa Lamb. Right. And so you're just forcing people that loved her who actually knew her and actually did care about her as a person. Right to relive a tragedy in a way that is as exploitative of all of them. And what, what was really weird too, is that they were showing what she was like based on Tumblr posts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Obviously, knowing that she was bipolar, I think one of the psychiatrists says, "Like, well, we we know who she was. She was burying her soul mm-hmm. on Tumblr." Yeah, you know, and sure, that might be true, but we don't know. We don't know from her family or from her close friends who may have been around during that time when she had posted those. Yeah, like. Yeah, it's really irresponsible. Well, I'm glad that none of her friends or family got involved in this story. Because she was... What happened to her and the discovery, and I mean, it really does drive the narrative of the whole thing, but she had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and, you know, I know the realistic way of like this story, like she has nothing to do with this series other than dying. And so we having to see her go through this dress and that's like the, that's the lasting image that a lot of her friends and family have to like, that have been burned into their brains. Right. You know, they have 21 years of her as a family and her friends, but seeing a video like that of anyone that you care about is going to haunt you. You know what I mean? Like, let alone there was a death and she ended up dying and them, like you said, and sensationalizing 
her body in the water and all this other stuff. Um, it, the video itself that keeps getting played over and over again and has so much um, weight in telling the story is... And then they spent so much time, yeah. like, they spent so much time with all these web salutes, like, drilling into every little detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it would be an interesting case study for like when police release this video um, and then how it being viral and how that kind of changed, right? Like we did talk about, or the documentary did talk about how it changed, but it was, it seemed like very cursory, Mm -hmm. but I think that would be an interesting documentary about seeing the investigation go through and then exactly what changed from a a minute level, like a, like the minutia of how everything changed, like getting all these tips and people saying, Oh, I believe that there was a, there was a whole thing, right? Like the, there was a conspiracy with the employees and the police are covering it up. Like it'd be interesting to, hear from the PR department about like, okay, well, we're not going to address this or we do want to address this. And in particular, if the interview where the guy said, oh yeah, the police noticed that the latch was closed. Why didn't that get corrected right away? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe it was, but maybe it was, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was, but they just didn't show it. It wasn't until it was the lawsuit. Right. Right. Like, right. I mean, I figure that in the statement that whoever interviewed that maintenance guy probably would have gotten the right information. Because the person talking could be just a spokesperson. There's just misinformation. Yeah. And but, I think you know, in the clip he was told like, oh yeah. yeah, well, the people on site told me that it was closed, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, you know, I also think that there is an interesting story to tell about the web sleuths. Um, if it Absolutely. wasn't done in a way of of uh, having to drag Elisa Lamb throughout the whole thing, you know, like her, you could have just presented this tragic death that went viral that people on the internet um, really forcefully thought it was something that it was not. And then go into that, like, let's clean up that, that part, clean up that part. And then talk about like the, the psychology around virality and these folks that are so um, deeply uh, addicted to trying to solve crimes or getting caught up in things like this. And then I, I have notes here, like real investigation versus the virtual investigation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. compare and contrast and 
like the protagonist, like you mentioned earlier, if the protagonists were the web sleuths, I mean, let's see their arc. We didn't really see it. They also, I mean, the you know, and also, <laughs> there's some level of like, you know, you already said it, but like, there's some level of comeuppance that the web sleuth didn't get. Yeah, and it was really annoying too when some of the web sleuths were just like, no, there must have been a hotel worker that right. put him up there. And I was like, but there's no evidence of that. Yeah. Like, you know, no one had the key to go <laughs> up that. I was like, what? I'm thinking what? about that dude, the creepy dude that was like, you know, you were talking about how when he did his walkthrough with his buddy, and then they said, he said, well, when we opened the door, there was no alarm that I heard. I'm like, it's because they know you're there. Why did they want an alarm to go off? <laughs> I like, you don't, you that. actually don't have access to the roof, but they let you go. So right. that means that they turn off the alarm. It was funny. We, like, Tess was watching it today while she was cleaning. And then um, I think when there was one part, I think it was during episode three. It must have been. It must have been the time when, like, the internet sleuths were like completely disregarding all the evidence of what the thing was. And then, like, Tess looked at me and just gave me this, like, "Oh, come on, look, right?" Yeah. And I was just like, and I was like, "I'm, I'm hate watching the rest of this." <laughs> And she's like, right? <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode. Let us know what you think. Again, the socials at Pod, or email us at popaculturepod at gmail.com. Let us know if you agreed with us, disagreed with us. If you love the web sleuths and now you want to dox us, hit us up. Peace. <laughs>